You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends. Workforce shortages, talent attraction. Those are two phrases that you'll hear in just about every state. You'll hear it in economic development groups, whether it's Chamber of Commerces, Department of Commerces for states, and you'll hear it maybe even more frequently and maybe louder in states like North Dakota for a variety of reasons. It's one of the great challenges of the day. If your economy is growing, you have the private sector that's driving opportunity, which requires talent and bodies to fill important roles. Oh, sometimes you just have a great challenge. And clearly, North Dakota is, and that's one of the reasons, if, if you heard this before through this podcast. Find the Good Life is a very important effort through the Department of Commerce, through the Workforce Division. Well, today I'm really lucky to have someone that in some ways, by the way, reminds me of my daughter. And you'll probably recall one of my first podcasts was with my daughter, Lindsay, the real experiential daughter. They both are, but she's really out there. She's the one that around Christmas time told me she's leaving her job, leaving the country, and going to go explore Asia for a couple months, and it was almost six. She's that kid. I found out about Melissa, I think through social media, and that might not be accurate. I might have first heard her story in the Department of Commerce Foundation board meeting when we had a workforce discussion. And then I've read some things about her on social media. Her story is fascinating. And I'm so lucky and fortunate to have my guest today, Melissa Diebold, Diebold, excuse me, originally from California, now in North Dakota. I almost said native, but that wouldn't be correct. Melissa, welcome to Mike Seminar and Friends. It's great to see you. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking the time. Here's my first question. Before your sister moved to North Dakota, what did you know about North Dakota? I actually did not know anything about North Dakota. I didn't even know where it was on the map. (laughs) (laughs) Geography is not my thing, clearly, but I just, you know, you hear of the bigger states or um, the ones on the East Coast and you know, I kind of could could pick out those if I had to on a map. North Dakota, and I get that from people in California that think I'm nuts for even being here in North Dakota. They're like, where is that even at? <laughs> it's a fair question, too, quite uh-huh. frankly. Total sidebar, my oldest sister, Diane, When she left North Dakota, for a while, I think she was actually in Boston 
working a summer job, I think. And and I hope I get this right. It was either my sister or her her colleague at work. So when they found out Diane was from North Dakota, they asked her, you know, this is, you know, 55, 60 years ago. Do you still have wagon trains in North Dakota? Because if you're not from North Dakota, if you've never been to North Dakota, it's easy if you've watched a Western movie or TV show, it's easy for someone to think. And maybe it hasn't changed that much. Well, so I know probably more about where you're from because I'm even familiar with Mount Baldy. No, it's not named after me, but I know <laughs> that area well. I have relatives that live 30 miles west of where you grew up in South Pasadena. You grew up in Laverne. Your sister ends up in North Dakota. You're getting ready to graduate from high school. When from college. You, oh, excuse me, from college. When did you start thinking, I've had enough of this? I, I I have to go somewhere else. And when did you start thinking that? And why did you start thinking that? So I have always been someone who really wanted to live out of state. It was just always a dream of mine. I never truly saw it as a reality. Uh, but when I had graduated from college or from high school, excuse me, I had really wanted to get out of my family's house. And so my dad told me, if you can find a way to have your housing paid for, then yes, you can go live outside of our house. And so I became a resident assistant uh, for the University of Laverne and got complimentary housing. Once I graduated from college, um, I thought maybe grad school might be an option for me, although I had been at kind of the cusp of knowing that it probably wasn't going to be for me, I moved back home. And I moved back home for a short period of time. And I was thinking, this this isn't what I want. I don't want to live with my parents forever. I'm, I'm watching my friends who are older still live with their parents because they couldn't afford rent in California. And so... At that point, I was like, okay, what is my next move? When, what am I going to do to not repeat what I see so many of my friends doing, either paying rent somewhere um, or just simply living at their parents' house still? And so being a young college graduate that was semi-into um, a master's program, I kept telling myself, I don't want to keep doing this. And so my sister, my twin sister at that had already, was already here um, in North Dakota and going to school. And that's when I thought, okay, this might be my new reality. How did your sister end up in Bismarck? Yeah, so my twin sister had graduated from high school she went to do her prerequisites at what's equivalent to like BSC, Bismarck State College, did that, and then went to try to get into a nursing program in California. She was the last person that I would ever see leaving the state of California. However, she kept getting waitlisted to a nursing program 
and didn't know, didn't have any other options. She can continue to wait for an unknown amount of time, or she had a friend who had just gotten a softball scholarship to North Dakota. <laughs> and so she decided to check out North Dakota. University of Mary raised their hand and they said, I would love to have you. We will get you in right away and we can guarantee you to be done in three years with everything. And we might even help you get into the workforce after that. And so at that point she said, okay, I think that that's all I need to know. I, I'm ready. Um, went and visited with my parents once and then was on her way to North Dakota. Is she still in North Dakota? She is, yes. <laughs> you know, it's really <laughs> interesting, Melissa. The University of Mary, I know this fairly well because back at that time, I was the general manager of a radio station and the University of Mary started their football program. And we decided we were going to carry the games. And we did that for a long time. For a while, early in that program, they had a lot of football talent come out of the area where you grew up. There were a lot of kids, I shouldn't say that, young men, I apologize, that came to North Dakota to play football at the University of Mary. So for a while, there was, you know, there was this conveyor belt of talent that came to North Dakota. Well, that's, that's a fascinating, fascinating uh, story about your sister and that she's still here as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you, you come to North Dakota. When, when were you here for the very first time? I was here in 2012. So my, my twin sister was into her nursing program, was doing great, but was really missing family. And school was getting harder and harder at that time. And she's like, I just don't know if I can make it through the program. Family is very important to us. We're Hispanic. We come from a large family. Um, there's four of us, sisters, um, aunts, cousins, uncles, you name it. I mean, we're just a very, very tight-knit family. And so I could see that from her, that it was really stressful. And, you know, she was just kind of toying the idea of maybe I could get into a nursing program in California now. And I was at the cusp of graduating college, was thinking about going into grad school. And I was thinking the same thing, like, what is my next move? And so then, you know, her and I had an honest conversation. And I'm like, do you think I would like North Dakota? She's like, oh, if you came here, I will stay. I will stay and finish out this nursing program. And that was pretty much it. That was that sealed the deal for me. I never visited North Dakota. I took a one way ticket, sold my vehicle, had my bag of luggage and the leap of faith. Came on through. A one-way ticket. Mm -hmm. I love that. I just absolutely love <laughs> that. By the way, one of my favorite boxers of all time is from Laverne. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Sugar Shane Mosley. 
is his name. Um, very, very accomplished boxer, uh-huh. uh, professional, and he's from he's from Laverne. And, am I pronouncing that correctly, Laverne? California. Laverne, yep. So your first winter experience, I always have to ask that, especially from someone from California. Mm-hmm. Your first winter experience, how did you feel about North Dakota at that time? Mm-hmm. So I came to North Dakota in September of 2012. It was towards the middle of September, gorgeous out. When I came into the airport, I was shocked. Looking over and seeing the Bismarck area and to me how small it was, I bawled my eyes out and I was in complete tears. I was thinking, what did I do? Where am I at? And where is my mom? <laughs> and my sister greeted me and I'm sitting there and I <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get emotional now just talking about it because it brings you back. Um, and my twin sister said, don't worry. She said, we're going to be fine. She's like, I'll take you to the best restaurant in town. I'll take you on the river and we're going to have a great time. I'm going to really show you Bismarck, North Dakota. So we land, we get settled in, um, we go to the Blarney Stone, excellent place, loved the Irish pub. And then we went out on the river, just beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And the sun was setting that night and I was like, this is not that bad, not that bad. And then about two weeks later, winter hit hard. And it snowed and it snowed and it snowed through April. There was a blizzard that year in 2013. There was that blizzard. And I thought, what are people insane? Why would they choose to live here full time? Why? (laughs) And I, I contemplated going back. And then it got nice again. And then summer approached. And then I'm like, Melissa, remember how you felt? Remember how you felt? While you're talking, keep keep going. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and then I I was just going to say that you just, once your mindset shifts and seeing the opportunity of growth and what North Dakota truly has, you know, in my career and the man of my dreams and the house that that we now live in, you know, for me, my mind shift, my mind shifted, and I was able to see the beauty in all seasons. Hmm. Need to ask you this question: How long had your sister been in Bismarck before you arrived in September of 2012? Two and a half years. So she had never talked about winter before that with you. Oh, she she said it was awful. <laughs> But then, you know, as you decide that you're going to make that move, it's really not that bad, she oh. she would say. And then she would try to minimize it. Yeah. By the way, I remember that blizzard that you just talked about, the April blizzard. Mm-hmm. I was looking for the picture. That's why I said, keep talking. I, apparently, I deleted it. Oh. I have a picture. Uh, I, I'm a runner. I run every single morning. And I went out that day. I even run in blizzards. 
and on our our grill in the backyard, there is a, there is snow about eighteen inches high, maybe almost almost twenty. I just there's it's like a cone head. That's how much. So I remember like yesterday the blizzard that you're talking about. Okay. Okay. So your sister's in Bismarck. You come to Bismarck. Um, kind of shell shocked when you see the airport. She takes you to the Brownie Stone. You hit the river. You have your first winter experience. Here's a question I have to ask. Mm-hmm. When, I'm, I'm assuming you've been to the University of Mary campus. Yeah. Have you ever watched the sunset when you're at the, the University of Mary campus? Yes, it's breathtaking. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. A picture doesn't do justice to what the, what the student body and the staff and visitors of that campus see mm-hmm. as the sunset takes place any time of the year. So you're you're over the shell, shell shock. I'm sure it took a while. Mm-hmm. During that that first year. How many times did you think, I don't know if I can do this? Or after that one event with your sister going to the river, being at the Brownie Stone, were you did you pretty much have the resolve that I can stay here? Yeah, right after I had been on the river and at the Blarney Stone, my sister the next day was talking to me and saying, okay, this is really a land of opportunity. This is your opportunity to get onto your feet. And so whatever job you want, you know, entry level, whatever it is, let's help you find that. And so that was my next step. I came here without a job. I had no idea what the job market looked like. Um, And so my sister was a server um, part-time at Red Lobster. And she made really good money serving in between going to school. And so that was my next move is, okay, how am I going to make some money and get on my feet? And so I, I did have a background in education. And so I went to the school district um, and kind of asked them what I needed to do to, um, to be a teacher. And they looked at my degree and they said, well, you know, in California, you have to have a master's degree in order to get that teacher certification. And so our degrees don't quite line up, but you could be a substitute teacher now. You could apply for that substitute teaching license um, and then go to school here and kind of work your way up. And so I, I was a substitute teacher for the Bismarck School District. And then I also was a server at Red Lobster. And I had never been a server before, but they taught me all the skills I needed to. I was a people person, so that that was, they said, half the battle. So um, that was my next move. How long did you work there? I worked there for a little over a year. And then I would serve a lot of regulars all the time. And one couple in particular, by the third or fourth visit said, what are you, what are you doing working here? Hmm. 
And I said, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to save up money and, and make a life for myself. And they said, well, would you be interested in an opportunity? And I said, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> and they had owned a assisted living facility here in Bismarck and thought that I would be the perfect person to do marketing and life enrichment. And they had said, you know, you can go ahead and apply and we'll put in a good work for you. And you can just go through the process and, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But we want to show you this opportunity and see if it's a good fit for you. So they owned it. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like they probably had someone else involved in management that they didn't want to get in their way. They Correct. wanted to put what, in their opinion, a candidate in front of that decision maker and put mm -hmm. in a good word for you. I like how that happened. They, mm -hmm. they didn't say, we own this. We want you to hire this person. We have, right. a, candidate. We have a candidate. Mm -hmm. How did that interview go? Extremely well. I There were several applicants, and I ended up being the one that they chose. How long did you do that? I did that for about three years. Um, they also liked me so much. They had other assisted livings throughout um, Wyoming and Minnesota. Um, and so they had asked me to go and manage other assisted livings that didn't have um, a director there at the time. And so they gave me different opportunities to advance um, and also gave me the opportunity to potentially um, manage one a assisted living facility in Wyoming that I did strongly consider. But as I said, family is very important to us. And so leaving my sister, I knew would probably not end well. So I chose to, to stay here. So now that's like around 2016, 2017, somewhere yep. in there. 2016. Had you, met, had you met the fellow from Willow City yet? I I did, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had met him in 2014, um, just through my sister and some of my mutual friends. And I had met him during... I want to say it was like February of 2014 and we were still in winter, of course. And, uh, we had, we had hit it off just talking casually. And then a couple of weeks later, we had another big winter storm come through where, um, if you weren't an essential worker, you know, we pretty much all had the day off. And so he had found me on Facebook and messaged me and said, are you watching the prices right right now? <laughs> and that was his pickup line <laughs> after meeting me, talking to me for a couple of, um, for that one time and then not seeing me again for a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, the the rest was history. <laughs> oh, I love, were you watching yeah. the prices right, by the way? Um, I, I actually was. And I had later found out that he was not, he was actually working because he was a lineman at Capital Electric 
Oh, <laughs> does he still work there? Great company, he does. by the way. It's a great company. Yes. yes. Okay, so you had, Melissa, you had this, frankly, a, a wonderful opportunity working for this company that um, the couple that owned it were regulars uh, at the Red Lobster. They liked you. You worked for them for between three and four years. Mm -hmm. That must have been kind of hard to leave an environment where you're appreciated, you like what you're doing, there's opportunity. The couple that owns it probably saw you almost like a daughter, maybe. I'm not sure. Absolutely. How hard was that for you when you finally realized that as great as this opportunity is, being in Wyoming isn't where I want to be? How hard was it for you to turn the page when you eventually did that? Mm -hmm. It was extremely hard. I mean, people here become family very quick. Um, and, and you know that you're nodding your head. Uh, yeah. And so having a tough conversation, just say, stating that I want to grow, but I want to grow here um, and that I need to kind of move on was a very hard conversation to say yeah. the least. But I knew I wanted to continue to keep growing in my career. And at that point, that assisted living um, was unable to advance me in my career when I was ready to do so. Yes, I was nodding and for, for a number of reasons. Um, and I, I think people can say this with some degree of competence anywhere in the country. But I do think in places like North Dakota, it might be a little bit more relevant, a little bit more powerful, and a little bit more present. You know, the, the history of North Dakota is, you know, it's a tough place to live parts of the year. And 150 years ago or more, when there weren't very many people here at all, there weren't very many trees to block the wind. And that's a whole other story for another time. When you had winters or you had droughts or you had tornadoes or you had any of those weather uh, calamities that really were hard to deal with. You had to depend on your neighbor. And, and back then, the neighbor might have been a mile away or five miles away because it's just so sparsely populated, right? Well, that is still ingrained to this day, in my opinion, in our culture. Mm -hmm. You know, Prior to this current oil boom, the largest population in the state of North Dakota was back around 1931, 32, 33, something like that. And then there was this exodus for a variety of reasons. It wasn't until just, you know, six, seven years ago that the population of the state eclipsed it from back in the 30s because we had that many that, that many people leave. And you kind of just referenced where this relationship, this dependency, this caring about people, which I to this day believe 
is ingrained in us because of our heritage, because of our history, because of the weather, because you have to have someone's back, whether you liked them or not. Mm-hmm. Because if you didn't have somebody having your back, whether they were really a friend or not, it could be really, really difficult. And that's mm-hmm. how we kind of survived. And and to your point, then when you leave and you have now this, it's like family. You have this relationship. It can be really hard to make that decision because you mm-hmm. love them. You, you, mm-hmm. you love them, right? Right. Well, what I know about your career is you worked at the Department of Commerce, and I'm on the foundation board, and I was somewhat familiar with your story and with regards to uh, finding a good life, and you worked in the work, workforce division at Commerce. How did you find that opportunity after being involved in the assisted living situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I went on to to work at a another assisted living and basic care facility after that for several years, and then COVID hit, and seeing our residents not be able to be with their families, and some of them go through extremely difficult health issues really took a toll on me because I cared about them so much. They were like family as well. And so I got to a point during COVID where I told myself that I probably need to continue my career path elsewhere. Um, And so I was looking at job opportunities and this workforce division in commerce came up and I I looked at it, I read the job description and I'm like, I I am that example that I could help people move to North Dakota. Because I did it. My my twin sister did it. You can do it too. I want to go back to COVID and assisted living because if you don't mind. Yes. Now, North Dakota was far more relaxed than, for example, in the state you grew up in, in California, mm-hmm. and other states. We had a kind of a lockdown for about 30 days, maybe 60, whatever right. it was. But assisted living facilities still had far more restrictive policy because they had to, right? Mm-hmm. So walk us through, what was it like when you're at an assisted living situation? What was it like um, during COVID where if I was a resident mm-hmm. and I wanted to visit with you, I might go knock on your door and go visit with you. I might go meet you in the cafeteria or and sit down and have coffee, play cards. Or my family would come over and we would invite you over and we'd have the social thing. We'd have our dinners together and breakfast. What was it like during COVID where all of that stopped for a while? What, How did the residents communicate with each other, communicate with you? And if they were allowed to have visitors, how did that work during COVID? And I'm sorry to take us back to that, but I, I, I think that's an important thing for us to know. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it was extremely difficult to be 
assisted living and basic care facility that I was now the housing director of. Um, we were a Catholic facility. And so it, although we did have other um, denominations there as well. So our chapel ended up turning into kind of the base of our COVID kind of setup. And so when I would walk through the doors every morning, I had to go directly to the chapel because it was right when you walked in, just straight there. Um, and I had to put on my mask for the day. I had to, you know, essentially take off anything else that I was like wearing all my coats and everything else. Um, you know, it kind of very, it kind of changed um, the procedures along the way. Um, but no, we were a locked facility for a while and we did not allow any visitors within our community unless they were on hospice or had any sort of, um, any sort of um, conditions where we felt like they, they could potentially um, get really sick. Um, then we would have, we would, we would schedule visits. So we would have um, a, a designated room where we sanitized and we allowed a family member to come, but they had to wear the mask, wear the gown, do all of the things before they were allowed to enter into a room. So there was no more going into a resident's apartment to their family member's apartment. There was no more going into the dining room to eat meals were delivered. Um, they couldn't play pinochle whenever they wanted to. The mm -hmm. common spaces were were shut down. Uh, they all had, most of them had cell phones or uh, landlines. And so that was a way that they communicated. Um, they also had CNAs there that would communicate with them often, especially if they had um, any sort of medical needs where they needed a CNA or a nurse assistance, but it, it was very limited and it took a toll on them. It must have taken a toll on you too. I mean, it has to have been very physically and emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you saw this opportunity at the Department of Commerce in, in the Workforce Division, applied, you uh, were hired. How did it work? Uh, how do you think your story impacted the efforts and very important efforts they are when it came to commerce's overall mission? But in this particular case, the workforce um, division that their their job was to try to attract, and mm -hmm. identify candidates, hopefully gift them here, find a situation that was a match for them. How do you think your story impacted their efforts? I, I think it impacted in two ways. The The first way is um, just being relatable. I, I knew how some, some people felt being a recent college grad and being that that was one of the um, the people that we were trying to attract were recent college grads. I could relate because I was in that same exact position. The The other way that I feel like 
was a huge success was my marketing background. I had, you know, learned a lot of marketing skills from working at the assisted living, both communities. Um, and so when we were looking at putting in, find the revamping, find the good life, but also the tracking of it, that was something that was near and dear to my heart. And so I feel like we really hit home on two areas that were really important to me. And that was my roots coming from California and now my my new life here in North Dakota and and the successes that I've had here and the story that I could share with those that are fearful of coming. But then also on the workforce side of things, you know, to be able to build a CRM system and to know what's worked well for me in my career, I could bring that to the table as well. Did you say you built the CRM system? Um, I did not personally build it. We had a third-party vendor that built built it, but okay. they would often ask me, you know, if if you could have a wish list of stuff, what would you, what would that look like? And so as as they were building it alongside with you know our help, we would go in and kind of see the system and say, well, we kind of want things here or, you know, this would look better. Well, do you want, you know, follow-up to be automatic, that sort of thing. And so we we fine-tuned that CRM system based off of, you know, what I saw would be what what would be essential for me to be successful in my role. This is this is interesting, and for folks that might not be familiar with CRM, it's client relationship management. Management, and it's a big business. For example, one of the biggest companies, maybe in the world, that really specializes in that whole process is Salesforce, big big company. And CRM tools are available through you know, Microsoft, Apple, all, all sorts of places, all, as Melissa said, all sorts of uh, third-party vendors. And what's interesting is that typically a CRM system is used um, in situations where there's a revenue stream. So you're, you're uh, trying to identify candidates that become prospects, that become clients, and then you you manage and track okay. analytically all that data to find out how you can improve your system, okay. either in terms of making more revenue, um, identifying better candidates based on all the information that you track. How did you use the CRM, if you're allowed to share that? If not, I completely understand. How did you use CRM for tracking candidates? And, and is this primarily in the Find the Good Life program? Is that kind of where you yeah. used it? Okay. Yeah, that's correct. And to be honest, I don't know how much I am able to share or not share. Okay. So I would definitely have to check on that part of it. Um I could probably more explain the assisted living side of it and how we tracked that because it is very similar, okay. although different. It's a different clientele, right? Um, but with our 
I guess I'll ask you, what would you prefer for me to explain? Would you prefer assisted living or? or well, just, let's, let's just do this the, in, in terms of, because in assisted living, there's kind of a revenue stream. Mm-hmm. And in find the good life, not so much. It's more about finding, and I'm just going to paraphrase this. If I'm right, say you're right, Baldy, in deference to Mount Baldy, which is in your backyard where you grew up. The I, I'm assuming the way you used it is as people, wherever they are, find either the website or find some other social media uh, window that takes them to find the good life. You want to track that person mm-hmm. and and then kind of gauge what their interest level is. Mm-hmm. Start a communication with them with their permission. Yes. And then start walking them through the steps of this might be a fit. Here's some people we can match you up to get you information with regards to either opportunities or places to live or whatever it is that they're looking for. So that's probably, generally speaking, how you use CRM in that case. Would that be fairly accurate? Yeah. Yep. And so um, what's interesting now, because I work for the Department of Transportation currently, is that we actually use data from the driver license to find out which of our top states were people coming from. And so we we gathered that data from from driver and were able to identify our top, I think, six or eight states that we were going to really focus on. And that was based off of information that they were coming in with an out-of-state driver license and coming to North Dakota. And so that's where we put our efforts along with, you know, some other data involved. Um, and we put some targeted marketing campaigns out there. And so there were a couple of ways that people could find find the good life. Mm-hmm. One is through a marketing campaign, just by clicking on the link. Um, the other would be if they were to do some sort of Google search, like move out of state or move to North Dakota. Um, you know, there, there were certain keywords that we would have and then find the good life would be one of those ways that they can just click on it and get to the actual find the good life site. Mm -hmm. From there, what they would do is there would be a small survey if they were interested to fill out. And so they would click on that survey and it would be really simple, just two or three questions just so we start the conversation and they can continue on and fill out their interests, um, their career aspirations, um, hobbies, things like that. So we get more information into that CRM system, Mm -hmm. but they could also opt out at any time. And if we had that email address, we would just kind of tap them on the shoulder every once in a while and be like, hey, remember you you filled out this, you know, would you like to fill out more information? Are you interested now? So in your current opportunity at the Department of Transportation with the state of North Dakota, you're the assistant director of customer operations. Mm-hmm. 
so based on what you just said, it would appear to me that you spend a lot of time gathering, evaluating, measuring data to see how you can deliver an even better customer experience mm -hmm. for all current and potential future customers for the DOT. Is that kind of accurate? Yes, um, except for um, I'm solely in the motor vehicle division. Okay. Are you liking it? I love it. Good. Yeah. Are, are you from a family, and this is going to be kind of a personal question. Okay. Where a faith is pretty important. Faith has always been very much instilled in us, yes. That's important. I had to ask that question because of the follow-up. I got to think, you know, I'm back up. Your sister leaves the roost first. Is that right? How yeah. many siblings are there? There's four of us. There's four, and you're twins, and are you the oldest of the four? We are the oldest. So she leaves first, and you're about to follow her a little, a little later. There must be a whole lot of praying that takes place in your family when all of a sudden our twins, our beautiful daughters, they're they're going to North Dakota for heaven's sakes. Mm -hmm. Well, if you know the answer, how hard was that for your parents? I think it was hard on all of us. We, you know, our first holiday we bawled our eyes out all together on FaceTime. And I knew it, it It was hard for them. It was extremely hard for them. But now I know that they're incredibly proud of how successful we are and the life that we've created here. That I think right now they're more so sad that they don't get to see us, you know, grow up in the day-to-day -day act the day-to-day, -day, you know, life activities that we have. And even more so because I have two children now. And, you know, why can't they see their grandkids every day? You're preaching to the choir now because mm -hmm. our first grandson is in Denver. That's a little closer than for your parents, but mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, you don't get to see them every day. You don't get to see them every week. Um, and when when they're your your grandkids, you kind of like to spend more time with them. How often do they get to come up to North Dakota? Um, they come about every three months. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they, have they been here in January or February? Yes. And what I can tell you is that my mom will come with her parka in... September, late September, if it's, you know, 60 degrees out, she has, and sticks out like a sore, sore thumb. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about pitching North Dakota just a little bit. Now, I know you work for DOT, but we're all in this thing together, right? We're and I'm still a ambassador for Find the Good Life. Awesome. It's still very close and dear to my heart. We have lots of 
opportunities in the state, a lot of open jobs, and that will just continue to grow because there are big projects on the drawing board in a number of areas and sectors and markets across the state. And we're, we're looking for, for talent. Why should people, Melissa, put North Dakota, if not on the top of their list, right close to the top of places to consider pursuing opportunities? And maybe this is a place to put some roots in. Why, why do you think they should do that? I really do feel like this is the land of opportunity. I think that if you can embrace all four seasons, it is absolutely gorgeous here. And there's people like myself, like you, that want them here and want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here and we'll help you along the way. Not every state is going to be opening and welcoming in the way that North Dakota is. And if you're looking for that, if you're looking for a change, if you're looking for a new home, new opportunities, then North Dakota is here and we would love to have you. That was well said. Now, I have to be careful how I tee this up because I have relatives in South Pasadena, gobs of friends uh, across the state of California, dear, dear friends right in the L.A. area, um, and so on and so forth. When Have you ever stopped to compare, you know, th this is the amount of money that we make as a family in North Dakota. Th this is the amount of money that it costs out of that bucket of money to live here. And this is what we've been able to do with the blessings that we've received through our careers, you and your husband. Have you ever compared that to back in California, how, in terms of the power of that dollar and in income here compared to the cost of living back in California? Absolutely. Yes. Yep. We've looked into it and the cost of living where my family lives now is in Chino Hills, California. And if we were looking at the housing market there compared to the house that we live in now, we would probably have to downsize about 50%. Oh, wow. Just for the lifestyle and things that we've built here. No. That's a big difference. Huge difference. That, that's huge. And of course, I won't talk about interest rates. Never mind that. <laughs> So have you, uh, you know, it takes an experiential person mm -hmm. to make the decision. Uh, I'm going to go to North Dakota. My sister's there. That's where I'm going to go. Were you, have you always been somewhat experiential where you're somewhat of a risk taker as well? I try to weigh out the pros and cons. And in this particular situation, I said, What's the worst that could happen? I take a one-way ticket back. <laughs> and so the the risk was pretty minimal for me. Um, but I do, I am someone who does weigh out the risk before I take it. I'm not someone who's just going to go and, and when the risk is really high. 
other than your family, mm-hmm. what's one or two things that you do miss from mm-hmm. at least your hometown in, in California? What, what else do you miss besides family? Uh, every now and then I do miss the beach. And I would say that is about it. <laughs> I, I almost thought you were going to say nothing, by the way. I looked at you. I almost thought you were going to say nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have the river here. And so, it, I mean, we have a little piece of water that we're able to go to. And so um, the the beach would be the, the other one, but I don't, it wouldn't be a hard, you know, defining if I'm going to go back or not. Um, family would be, though. Were you a body surfer, a surfer? Did you do that kind of thing? No, I just, I really liked being down by the beach. I had a little beach cruiser that I would just putz around on and, um, yeah. Melissa, if you had a magic wand that you could wave over the heads of all of those people that are searching they're searching for an opportunity that's going to take them away from where they currently live. It doesn't matter where it is. And North Dakota, if it isn't, it clearly could be on the list of places to consider. What's the one thing you really want them to know about North Dakota and why they should take a good look at it? I would say that kind of similar to what I said before, that we are opening our arms up and we're here to help you. And I know that that is extremely difficult in other places. Not everybody is telling you that they're going to open up their arms to you and welcome you and, and hold your hand along the way. And we're doing that. And it's scary already. You don't need that fear of the unknown. Let us help you find success here in North Dakota because I love it and I want you to love it too. That was a great way to say that, Melissa. You know, because the, the, you know, generally speaking, the most stressful things in a person's life, um, graduating from school, looking for their first opportunity, uh, getting married, buying their first home, a death, uh, a divorce, having their first kid, th- those types of things. And so I like the way you frame that, where it's already stressful. We have people that figuratively and maybe even literally will hold your hand, walk you through the process. And that, that's just really at in the beginning at the uh, commerce level through the workforce division, the people doing their work, and then the ambassadors like yourself that are out in the community that, hey, I, uh, in your case, uh, hey, been there, done that. And mm-hmm. let me share with you my experience. And then you have the employers and their HR group. If they're if they're doing it correctly, they're doing the very same thing. Mm-hmm. But I really like how you frame that, that uh, we're, we're here to really walk with you side by side, hand in hand, if you like, uh, to help you evaluate what we have to offer. I like how you said that. What else, we, what else should we know about you? Yeah. And if you want to say something about the guy from Willow City, please go ahead and do that too. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> um, we actually are going to um, make our way 
after work here um, to Willow City to go spend some time with the in-laws, but it's also a deer opener weekend for rifle season. And so um, the California Melissa girl has actually um, found a new hobby as well. And I, I will go and walk with my husband and go um, deer hunting with him. I am not brave enough to carry a rifle, but, um, but if you think that, you know, there's a special activity that might be off the table, whether it is hunting or, you know, enjoying the snow and, and snowboarding, um, ice fishing, you know, there's lots of different hobbies to get into. And so the winter does not have to be boring. <laughs> it's actually a really fun time for us now. How far is Willow City from the Botno ski area? It is about 20 minutes, and we've been there many times. It's fun, isn't it? Yep, yeah. Have you eat, Have you eaten venison or deer jerky? I have, yes. Do you like, do you like it? I I do not like jerky, but I, I will eat deer, yes. Awesome. Yeah. Last question. Okay. What's, what's the last thing we should know about Melissa? Um, that, you know, I'm still, even though I'm not a part of commerce anymore, I'm still extremely passionate about find the good life program. Um, and if you're interested, I would be more than happy and willing to have that conversation with you and see if North Dakota is the right place for you. Mm -hmm. And if it is, I would personally love to help you call North Dakota home. Melissa Diebel. Originally from Laverne, California, and since 2012, right? 2012, you've been a North Dakota resident. And I do remember that winter of 2012, 13. That was a bugger. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you established roots. I'm so glad your sister's here and you have family. And that you're willing to help somebody, take them by the hand and say, Here's what I learned. Here's what I did. And here are the great opportunities. It's a great, it, it is a great place to live. We have wonderful health care, wonderful education. Yeah, winters can be kind of interesting, but wherever you are, weather can be interesting. It's how you deal with it, really. I, I am so glad you're here. You're a wonderful ambassador. Appreciate you taking your time today, Melissa. And, and by the way, thank people at DOT to, to as well for letting you join me today. Appreciate you very much. It was nice uh, visiting with you and I look forward to meeting you in person at some point in time. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Melissa. Bye now.